Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Hello and welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither and this is Songs and Stories episode number 167. And I'm realizing I skipped January. Not on, not on purpose, I just was busy. I've been working a new day job and finishing the new record, Best of Breed Romance, which has been taking up a fair bit of time, but it's a really fun record. I'm very happy with it. And I've been kind of preoccupied with all the behind the scenes things like getting the website ready, um, artwork, packaging, the promo stuff, planning some release shows. And if you're taking notes and you're local to the Monterey, Santa Cruz areas, I've got a few things lined up. On Saturday, April 1st, I'll be doing a house concert in Castroville, California with my good buddy Ken Rabaroff is coming down from Sacramento to back me up on guitar and bass. That's Saturday, April 1st. The The big kind of Santa Cruz-based show is something different. We're going to do a an in-store show at Jansen Music in Aptos on Saturday, May 13th. That's going to be me, Steve Kritzer, and Jeff Baker, my usual trio, our usual trio. And uh, Jansen Music moved about a year ago from Watsonville to Aptos. It's a really nice space. And for a new record, you want to do something kind of different and cool. And I thought it would give the store some attention and it would be really fun. So that's Saturday, May 13th. And then kind of way off in the summer, I'm doing the trio thing again uh, at a house concert in Gilroy, California on July 29th, another Saturday. So lots of cool things in the works. Um, and I'm doing the final mix this week. So I you plan shows and you want to make sure that the new CD is done in time for the CD release shows. So I think we're okay. <laughs> um, that's what I've been up to, but, uh, back on the podcast today, we're going to talk to somebody who's one of my favorite songwriters. And if you listen to this show, I say it all the time. If you're on the show, you're probably one of my favorite songwriters. I get to cross paths with some pretty talented people. Russell Bruchet is a local Santa Cruz based singer, songwriter, and painter. He had just finished his third CD, Bucket of Gold, and as on all his songs and paintings, there's a lot of political themes, usually of an environmental nature. A lot of the, the visuals from his paintings take place along the Central Coast in Santa Cruz. My favorite is, um, I'm going to buy it one day, it's a big print, of the Giant Dipper Boardwalk, and Russell one day thought, that would make a great trellis if the place just closed down. So there's this... There's this painting of the giant dipper kind of white wooden roller coaster with moss growing up it. And then in the foreground are Native Americans fishing out of the San Lorenzo River. So kind of a revert back. Uh, that kind of thing works its way into a lot of his works. And it works in its paintings. And it works its way into his songs as well. Um, the themes on this record include, you know, highway widening and building and plastic use of plastics. Um, there's also a couple of friendly corner that sort of pokes at, at the songwriting um, community in, in a really loving, fun way. And th those are on the record, too. Uh, but uh, also some spoken word. And even though the in instrument instrumentation is sparse, he, he mixes in a lot of things, but mainly because Steve Acello's on it, Dan Kai playing everything. And then on this record, he pulled in Bruce Wanmeyer, a, a local friend of ours who's playing 
backpedaled still. So it's, it's a really great record. There's some things to think about and a lot of things to enjoy. I want to play one track from it. Uh, and also, before we get into the podcast, uh, a quick plug. When Russell came by the house to talk, and this happens all the time, we started just kind of catching up, how are you, what's new? And he'd just come back from Winter Songs West, uh, a, a music camp that takes place in Cambria. And we were chatting about it, and then I stopped and I went, dang it, uh, we should be recording this. This is, this is really interesting stuff. So a quick plug, if you go to summersongs.com, it's a songwriting camp created by Penny Nichols an amazingly talented singer, songwriter, and teacher. She created these camps years ago, two on the West Coast, two on the East Coast. The West Coast camps, um, that's the one that Russell just came back from, and he was sort of still in that mind of uh, what he went through that week and how inspiring it was and what he learned. And, of course, you go to these things, you make tons of new friends, and you're inspired, and you're a, a fan of half these people, too. The West Coast version, my friend Susan Reeves is the co-director. She was there. She was a teacher. Also this year... Ed Tree, a producer and uh, musician, songwriter from L.A., and Severin Brown, another great singer-songwriter that was there. I haven't gone to Winter Songs, but I met a lot of these folks at a retreat last summer, um, hanging out with just some just some amazingly talented ringers, so I know the, the caliber of talent that goes into Winter Songs and Summer Songs. So if you want to find out more about that, um, the next one locally is June 1st to 5th is Summer Songs West in Cambria, California, Summer Songs West. You can find that at summersongs.com. So so back to Russell, the Bucket of Gold, great record. Let's hear a track from it. And then one quick thing I wanted to mention too, because we talk about this during it. It's kind of a behind-the-scenes things, behind-the-scenes sort of aspect of doing um, doing this thing of making records. When you're getting CDs done, you know, you can you can get you can do 300, 500, 1000, 5000. And kind of in our realm, you know, 1000 a, are 1000 CDs is plenty. Um the price break when you go from 500 to 1000 is like minuscule, but at some point you go, do I need 1000 CDs? Do I need 1000 pieces of plastic? And what Russell did for this one because he's very he's very conscious about consuming. He did a run of 300 and then did uh, what are called drop cards, but they're stickers. So it's a CD side sticker that has a code in the back so you can download the record and you print less CDs and use less plastic. So we talked about kind of that aspect uh, of, of CD production. It's a little in the weeds, but if you're curious how some of this works when you're actually doing a record, I thought it was interesting. And I think for my best of breed romance record, I'm going to do probably a run of 500 and then some download stickers to save on plastic and save on space and, you know, not consume more than I really need to. You can always order more, which means you ran out and you sold and people were happy with it. So that's a good thing. So let's get into Russell and the music. Let's hear uh, this song really just kind of nails what Russell does so well. This is called Sam's Cornfield. It's sort of a, a play on the if you build it, they will come tagline from Field of Dreams, and you'll get it right away. It's a great story about a about a music promoter who just kind of finds a new direction. So let's hear Sam's Cornfield. Let's talk to Russell Bruchet, and then at the end of the conversation, he'll play Center of the Universe, the opening track on the record, which has a, you know, it's, it's a funny song with a point, and it's got a couple of nice local references. Also, before we start, if you want to find out more about Russell Bruchet, he has some information online. The best way to get to it is go to my site, michaelgather.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. 
and look for Songs and Stories episode 167 under blogs or podcasts. And I'll have links to Russell's CDs where you can find his paintings and all the other information about him. I'll also put in a little blurb for summer songs. So let's hear some music. Here's Russell Brichet. Well, Sam, it only proves if you don't build it, they won't come. Sam's name to baseball was like Chrysler's name to cars. Folks knew he was the trainer behind all the famous stars. So rumors flew like robins about his billion-dollar loan. He would build the greatest stadium the world had ever known. Sam found some land for the stadium. It was listed on the internet. So he drove out west in a three-piece suit, wingtip shoes, and a baseball cap. But near the site, his air-conditioned car broke down on a back road near some hippies on an organic farm. Well, they took him in and fed him a delicious garden-grown dinner. Sam decided then and there he wanted no more of the sports racket. He'd seen it all. Drugs, rigged games, and young men's ruined lives. So no build, no stadium, no way. No, Sam decided then and there he would transform that land into an organic cornfield. Well, Sam, I know you're scared of 50 million fans. They won't understand that you've had a change. But you gotta keep your faith, even though it might sound dumb. You gotta just believe if you don't build it, they won't come. So now on the site a month later, there's no backhoes, no graders, no excavators. Sam's barefoot in blue overalls, a red paisley kerchief, and a big straw hat. They're working the land, mostly by hand, with wheelbarrow loads full of manure and mulch. Digging trenches and rows with trowels and hoes, and the seeds are soon in the ground. are just peeking out of the rich black earth. Baseball season is a heartbeat away, and those billion-dollar rumors are catching up with Sam. He's peering through his stadium glasses at a bumper-to-bumper highway. And what he's thinking are going to be beer-belching, corn-tromping fanatics. Well, Sam, I know you're scared of 50 million fans, but they're Stop and stare in wonder when they see a change of plans. Cause once they see the corn waving green across. 
across the lane. Once they smell the soil that's been turned by human hand. Fifty million baseball jokies converted on the spot. Fifty million wannabe workers wanna be working their own plot. Fifty million future farmers headed back to where they're from. Well, Sam, it only proves if you don't build it, they won't come. Yeah, Sam, it only proves if you don't build it, they won't come. So we were we were we were chatting, and we start talking about. The Winter Song Conference, and I realized, wait a minute, I should be recording this. So, first of all, welcome to the house. Well, thank um, you. And let's let's recap the Winter Song conversation. Yeah, well, it, in specific, we're talking about Winter Songs, which is uh, Song Camp. Song Camp. It's also has a summer songs component. Mm -hmm. Penny Nichols is pretty well known for her time with uh, Jackson Brown and Jimmy Buffett and. George Harrison, mm -hmm. pretty big names. She's got this big past, so. And she's a great. She's a wonderful teacher. She is, mm -hmm. and she was on the on the East Coast, mm -hmm. um, and then she decided to move out here and do a West Coast thing as well. Yeah. So basically, they have four camps a year: mm -hmm. summer songs, winter songs, East and West. And uh, yeah, we were just kind of talking about our feeling in general when you go to these camps and it's always rewarding it's uh you think maybe you won't get your feathers ruffled but invariably something happens someone says something and then you get stroked too because yeah. it, this stuff really matters to you um but you know without trying to sound like i've somehow some kind of an authority i have been doing this for, for a, a long time for a while yeah. yeah by default as much as anything but yeah i've been playing tunes for you know 50 years on and off the stage and, uh -huh. and you have too right right so when you go to these camps like where do you fit you don't really fit in with the people learning d and g and a7 you know you know how to you know how to play a song you know how to write a song yeah so you don't i mean you can always learn but that's not your category and then the staff well you're thinking, gee, maybe maybe I should be on the staff, but they they can be pretty heavy duty. I mean, yeah, yeah. Severn Brown is there. He's like Jackson Brown's brother, and uh, Ed Tree was there, I think. Ed Tree was there, who's got a big name in recording as well as playing. Anyway, yeah, I thought about myself. I've actually got a teaching credential in mm -hmm. high school, so yeah. you know, do I want to teach at this thing, and how do I begin to do that? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Do you want to teach songwriting? Do you? It, that's the question yeah. of the hour, right there. Is is, and you know, talk about songwriting as well. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's square one. And I can remember I I kind of grew up with Juice Newton back in Los Gatos. This mm -hmm. was like in the sixties. Oh and, wow! And it's kind of like everybody was on the same playing field, and then Juice just took off. You mm -hmm. know. I uh, started playing with Otha, who I'd been playing with, you know, and the next thing they're in L.A. and they're putting out, and the next thing they're on the radio, and they got a number one hit, you know, mm -hmm. and with all the thoughts that come to mind about, gee, why am I dragging my heels, I ask myself, 
do I want to do what Juice does? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other question. Um, and uh, I invariably, I, I have to appreciate it at the same time realize that's not my path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we get so caught up in, can I do something? We need to sit back and ask ourselves, do we actually, are we called to do that? Because mm-hmm. maybe we're not. Maybe or why am I doing it? Yeah. Why am I doing yeah. it? In yeah. fact, I mean, it's sort of related, but I'm, you know, finishing up a new record and I was talking to somebody who has some, some rate, not rate, not connections, but she can help me kind of like work it a little bit and get, and she goes, you know, what are your goals for this record? And I'm like, I don't know, people listen to it and maybe they'll like it. I, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's, it's a hard question. What are your goals for this project? Well, right. Um, I know, I know going in to record what my goals were, but now that it's done, it's like, you know, it's hard. Like, why are we doing this? You know? Right. Right. You know? Right. I don't want to be like when someone says, why do you write songs? You don't want to be melodramatic because I have to, you don't want to, it's like, right. there's, right. there's a reason why you're doing it. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very important. And, you know, in my case, um, 70 plus mm-hmm. getting to the point of what do I want to leave? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and that issue gets larger on the horizon with each step. You yeah. know, what do I want to leave? Which, of course, for me, hooks in a lot to the environmental themes that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like that's really getting main stage attention now. But, boy, Rachel Carson was talking about that. I mean, uh, you know, um, the Walden guy. Henry David Thoreau was talking about that. So the whole focus on ecology is is kind mm-hmm. of new for a mass audience, but it's been there. The, the indicators have been going for a long time. Yeah, and not to dwell too much into politics because we'll keep this a little light, but right. you know, some people don't think there's an issue and a lot of people do. And that's, yeah. that's becoming a, a source of contention, but because of that, it's getting a lot of attention. So yeah, yeah, that can be a positive. You know, yeah, if it yeah. It comes out the way it should. Yeah. You hope it, you know. Yeah, no, I'm glad you're framing it that way because, uh, yeah. You know, framing things is difficult lately. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. But, the, but back to the, on the music, I, I wanted to ask you something too is um, people often ask songwriters, you know, and this is the, the tritest question in the world what comes first, the music or the lyrics? In your case, I wanted to ask, and this is probably like, there's probably like three different answers what comes first, the song, the painting, or the concept? Ooh. Do you think I want to do a piece about this and then it becomes either a song or a painting, sometimes both? Or do you sometimes just think about an idea for a painting and that's all it, all it is sometimes or vice versa, a song? Because you cover both grounds yeah, so yeah. well. Uh-huh. And, so, and I love it when, I, when, I, when, a, when a, a visual work is based on one of your songs and they just they marry together so well. It's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate um, that feedback. Um. You mentioned having a, a thought or having a, a uh, desire or a message and then needing to choose which media. Yeah. I haven't been at that crossroads. Somehow oh. that's usually clear. Okay. Um, like this is going to be a song. Yeah, yeah. But it's true. The themes are reflected in mm-hmm. both the visual and the audio yeah. for sure. And, you know, I've kind of slowed down a little on the painting because of my shoulders. Oh, right. Increasing right. issues there. And uh, as long as I move right, they're fine. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of on a, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it sure. mode there. 
And uh, so songwriting is, you know, the best of those worlds as yeah. far as um, um, something I can do that doesn't uh, stress me out mm -hmm. physically. Um, plus, you know, the spoken word. I mean, we keep, we keep coming back to that with all the art forms. I mean, there's nothing says it like language even. Mm -mm. Um, so, don't know if I've answered your question. The, the, which comes first, though? The, I think the, the answer is depends. <laughs> it, it all depends. Yeah. I mean, I have melodies, little ditties that have been knocking around in my head for years. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll hear a phrase and I go, that's the same kind of whatever I am, pentameter or, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah that, that fits it'll that fit. thing. Yeah. yeah, it'll fit. It'll fit. Um, but, you know, something that is interesting to me. I, I When I went to Winter Songs, uh, I happened to take a, uh, a friend loaned me a copy of this uh, Tricycle magazine. Mm -hmm. It's a Buddhist magazine. Mm -hmm. And this was like a couple years old, so it's nothing new or anything. But there was an article in there about misdirection, which hmm. I've never heard that word <coughs> used as a literary technique. But... They were talking about how many authors, well, you know, Hemingway, um, uh, many people have used this. What misdirection is, is where you say something, you get that up front. That's the main concern. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a love story or something. But there's this little thing in the background that happens, you know, an open window or something. Mm -hmm. And then maybe in the next verse, there's a wind coming through that window. And then mm -hmm. by the time you get to the climax... Mm -hmm. This is like the, there's a volcano or there's a flood coming and it wipes out the town or whatever. But it got in the back door mm -hmm. because you didn't, you didn't set up any resistance against the subliminal message coming in, which is the actual real story. Wow. <laughs> I know. That's great. It's cool. Yeah. And uh, it actually has, has stuck with me more than anything else. Wow. I did a winter song just reading this thing between songs. Right. And so I want to try doing this thing. Um, I think I already do it a little bit, mm -hmm. but it's like having a plot, a subplot, and then that subplot. Yeah. And, um, to, and to carry that and to pull it off in three minutes and a, a finite number of words is is really right. a craft. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And, of course, the magazine was leading to greater points. Being a Buddhist publication, it was all about the purpose of a koan, for example, is you've got this story, and while you're using reasoning and logic and whatever you're using to try to figure out this koan, mm -hmm. other things are going on in, mm -hmm. in the whole Buddhist realm mm -hmm. that surface. And, and when you finally come to the master and you have the right answer, in most cases, the master says, well, it doesn't matter what that answer was because there's other things, other humility elements that have occurred to you in your self-awareness mm -hmm that the Cohen did its job. Huh. And um, uh, why was I going there? Um, getting back to music and art. Uh -huh. This article a little bit talked about uh, authors and artists who during their lifetime thought they, their art, which they spent most time doing was the most important thing. It turns out their journals they become remembered for that. Really? 
Yeah, and I, I wish I could give the examples, mm. but uh, poets who wrote poetry as notes, and then and then when they died, they were known most as a poet. Mm -hmm. Their main work was writing books that may not have gotten that far. So mm. we never always know which foot will end up being first. Mm -hmm. you know? That's really interesting. It yeah. is. It is. It's almost like the notes behind the process was more interesting than the output, the outputted product. Yeah. Mm. And it's probably not information you'd want to give to a beginning song crafter mm -hmm. because when we're beginning and I'm an eternal beginner so <laughs> maybe I should take everybody advice. you're never you're never done so. right but but you do want to learn how to tell a story so you're not uh -huh. confusing right there's a real difference between having mystery in your lyrics and having confusion in your lyrics yeah. they're not the same thing <laughs> you want to stay on task yeah know. yeah so yeah. that if I had a simple story mm -hmm. and I sang that to you Michael then I could say, can you tell me what happened? And theoretically, you could say, yeah, this was a love affair, and this guy changed his mind, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I would go, yeah, great. You know, I made it through that. So you want to at least be at a stage where you can tell a story mm -hmm. and not have it confusing. Right. Before you start... <laughs> Putting in too many nuances. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, in fact, Cindy's in the next room. My wife will, will be, you know, watching, you know... Sometimes watching a certain certain songwriters, and she picked this up years ago, and I didn't I, I didn't even realize it. We were watching somebody play, and this is all under the disclaimer of like who the hell am I? But you know, you make observations, and we're watching somebody play a song, and and at one point, Cindy turns to me and she says, "It's too long," mm. meaning that the, the the songwriter lost her because it it wasn't compelling enough to be a four or five minutes uh -huh. and that kind of goes with that too it's like you've got to be able to tell a tight story then you can kind of expound on it and do things and absolutely you know. yeah. or if you're repeating yourself or it's not going anywhere you've got to just edit and pull that back well we, you know we all deal with attention span mm -hmm. you know uh, in the audience and also and now they're in all, ourselves and now, and now half of them are on their phones so you really got it. yeah right yeah right and it has to keep them going, and it really has to keep us going, too, as the deliverer of the message. Yeah. We can't get bored. You know? I'm sure there's been times over there, and I've done this, too, where it's like, I don't feel like playing that anymore. Yeah. You know, and I was talking yeah. to somebody about doing a, it was a, I forget where it was at, but doing a three-hour solo gig, and I said, you know, even I get tired of my own stuff after about an hour. You, uh -huh. you got you to keep things interesting. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Yeah, whether it's an instrumental break or... Mm -hmm. Something that I've noticed that I've been doing, and I, I've met, I never analyzed it for these reasons until just the other day. But just what we're talking about, I, I rap sometimes. I mean, spoken word. Yeah. And yes. I realize that I, I tend to go back and forth sometimes between spoken word and just when they've just about heard enough out of me, mm -hmm. go into a melody. So they hang their hat on that for a little while, mm -hmm. and because I'm not the greatest. The greatest, I'm not Barbara Streisand, at a certain point, it's time to go back to talking, mm -hmm. and then that becomes interesting again. I was going to say the new record, which we'll talk about right now, Bucket of Gold, I, I think there's I think there's more spoken word on this than your previous records, and it's really, I love it. I was like, oh, we were, my wife and I listening going, he's talking a lot on this, just doing spoken, these little yeah. spoken word interludes, and it, it fits the songs, it's really fun, and, and again, it's, I think it makes it more diverse and interesting. Well, good. Yeah. Good. So let's talk about Bucket of Gold. This is your fourth? 
also. Oh. Well, fourth that I know album, of. Yeah. Fourth album. Yeah, I did uh, an LP back in the uh, mm -hmm. 1980, I think it came out. And after a long hiatus, um, <laughs> I, I that was back at a time when I was working gigs. And, and right. It was, it was a living. Right. And right. Um, I burned out on the road. Uh, ended you, up yeah, because you a, actually made a living, traveled, and did that whole thing. Did the thing, you know, ended up in a hospital in Calgary. And nothing real serious, <clears throat> just couldn't eat, you know, just was so mixed up by uh, restaurant food and oh. hotel beds, you know. Uh, just uh, so you've done that run. <laughs> yeah, I did, and I can't say I did it successfully, but enough to make a living. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I kind of quit cold turkey, but the part that wouldn't die was the writing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that has come back, and uh, so my my first CD, I think, was two thousand five. Okay. With Andy Zenzag mm -hmm. over at uh, Gadget Box. Gadget Box, yeah. Santa Cruz. And then I, I did another in 2010, mm -hmm. and now here it is. So. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. Sure, I'm sure we have a lot of friends that all over this one. Steve Acello's on it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. oh, Steve was a great help. Yeah. Uh, he got a gig, maybe I've told you this, he got a gig teaching at a high school in... Um, Salinas. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so he's teaching band, mm -hmm. and he's teaching all the instruments. So he's surrounded by these instruments. So we he set up a little studio, kind of off to one side of the band room, but we can drag in uh, vibes or timpani oh, or anything nice. like that. And that's how a lot of the special effects got on this thing. How fun! Um, was just uh, you know running uh, running amok with all his. Uh, that's great. Uh, Steve was saying it's um I saw him a while back and he said it's funny because at church at, at school everybody calls him Mr. Ocello which still throws him right Mr. Ocello come here. yeah yeah and who else is on that's Dan on this I think Dan's yeah. Dan plays heavy duty Dan Kive, and, yeah. uh, he kind of came in after a number of things been done and I said Dan you know it'd be great to have you on there but I'm low on my budget so. Just do this and this and mm -hmm. this. And then, yeah. of course, you know, true to Dan, he's yeah. got to say, well, but how about this? You know, I won't charge you for it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know? So yeah. he just sent us a buttload of... Because like Steve, Dan, Dan plays everything right. well. So. Yeah, everything well. Yeah. So um, it took a bit extra time just to sort out... It's all the stuff like he gave you? <laughs> being in a candy store and, you know, you can't eat all of it. So right. you're going right, to go right. with the caramel or the whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was... Um, a real treat to get him on there. Also, Bruce Longmire. I heard so there's some pedal steel on here. Great steel player. Yeah. Does a little sax too. So, yeah, and, and this, the recording of this was over the time that my father was going into really needing uh, twenty four seven care. You were busy. Yeah, yeah, all the way into his passing in mm -hmm. February of this year. So it it. You know, a bit here and a bit there. It, it, it took, I guess, was almost about a year to mm -hmm. pull it all together. Some records, because you got to do them in, in chunks like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully you don't lose the momentum. The, the, the momentum and, yeah. the, and, uh, and the consistency and the consistency, energy. And all yeah. That. That, could, that could be a risk, yeah. Yeah. But no, it, it holds together really well. Oh, so I, I think there's a, there's a couple of themes. that I, The first thing, I want to talk about the packaging, too. But there's a couple of things. I mean, there's there's a lot of ecology and politics that's really, really well done. There's also just some commentaries on being a songwriter. 
which oh yeah, which yeah. is really fun. Yeah, and there's probably well, there's eleven cuts on there, and probably mm-hmm. four of them are are just you know about songwriting, right? At least maybe maybe more, but they all yeah, a, a number of them the the, the song circle massacre mm-hmm. and the the gotta run song about the guy that goes to L.A. for his big yeah debut and um, never quite works out. And after writing those, you know, I began to think, well, I know my songwriter friends love these mm-hmm. song circles. What are they going to be like out in public? To normal folk. But, you know, the stories seem to be universal enough mm-hmm. that everyone knows about the deer in the headlights feeling, even yeah. if you're not a songwriter. Right. Yeah. So it it's a metaphor at that point. Yeah. 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 Like for us, we're like, yeah, I've been and you can relate to like the, the song stories literally but they're metaphors for everything else yeah yeah i just did a steve key showcase uh-huh i don't know if you're familiar with yeah, those, those this yeah. one is down in laurel bay it's a relatively new venue called the wine cellar mm-hmm. and uh it's a listening place nice. but they really listen and i went in there thinking you know i've just about done all the current non-songwriter songs mm-hmm. I don't want to do those again because Steve's going to get tired of hearing this because he, you know he, he sets you up and does the sound and he hears you every time you go so I want to do some of these other things I'm just going to do them I'm just going to do some songs mm-hmm. about writing songs mm-hmm. and it, it spoke to people I was wow happy that it was not so esoteric that no it works you know. it works the one that I really like and I, I don't have I have the sticker in that but the one about the guy who actually writes the greatest song in the world and then decides to never... What's that called? The title is... Right. Song to Save the Planet. Song to Save the Planet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you happen to have a guitar with you. I do. And, you know, I'm dragging it out because I think I've got the, the CD in Oh, thanks. Chair. I'll refer to it. Um, yeah, Song to Save the Planet. It's all about... Um, he writes the greatest song in the world, and then right, his intentions are to um, to really um, move people. Uh, um, he's going to heal the planet and everything, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know it gets pointed out to him by a friend that um, this is just you're making a whole stack of uh, plastic you know, plastic pancakes, and whether they stay under your bed or get everybody to buy them, they're still plastic. So, you know. I'm not that much of a purist. I've got blood on my hands too. I can't make any great claims, but mm-hmm. the more aware I become, I'm beginning to look for ways around that. Mm-hmm. And for someone who who plays these things on their radio or their boombox, to me that's appropriate usage. Mm-hmm. And and it's going to get played a lot. It's worth the little bit of plastic it took. Mm-hmm. For the consumer that gets the CD puts it in the computer, puts it on iTunes, the CD goes on the shelf and sits there for the next 30 years getting dust on it. Why? Then it goes into a box in the garage with the other ones that I have. There you go. So why make why make those CDs? Mm-hmm. So um, what I did on this, I made the smallest order I could, mm-hmm. about 300, and then made a stack of these cards, and I'm happy to say the cards are moving. So nice. People are slowly getting comfortable with the idea of getting nice. a piece of paper. Right. Um, yeah. And I want to I just kind of stress, too, it's nice because I'm at the point now where I'm deciding. We have this conversation by email, but, yeah. you know, and for people listening, you know, when you do a CD, you know, that starts at a run of 100, you can do three, five, and, and 
the way they're typically priced is the, the price between 500 and a, and a thousand is literally like $85 in some vendors. Right. It's, it's so, and so on all mine, I've done a thousand and you know, right. it's like, I don't, you know, I don't need a thousand CDs. I know, I know it's going a hundred. I, I probably need 500, 300 is more realistic, but over the right. next several years. Sure. So, you know, you got to look at that and it's worth paying a little more for the five and not getting, cause I, like you, you use them in business too. I mean, if, yeah. If some uh, DJ you're talking to, you don't want to skimp on. No, they. They. I mean, your your latest CD becomes a business card for you as a musician. That's kind of what they do. But I like what you did, and I'll probably do this with, with my with my next CD. Is uh, the site that we typically sell through is a site called CDBaby.com. They don't charge for stocking. They're great for independent artists, and they give you these. They can you can purchase these. They're called drop cards, but now it's a sticker the size of a CD with the artwork on it, and on the back is a download link and a code, which is what you're doing. Yeah. And you're selling them for $5, which I like the idea, when I went to your release show, I like the idea because um, quite often, you know, people don't buy as many CDs as they used to, but quite often people just say, I'll just get it online, I'll just get it from iTunes. But by selling a sticker for $5, you're still selling a product, you're right. undercutting iTunes, and they're getting a really nice souvenir. Right. And they're taking music home with them, you know, which is a really nice way of reducing the amount of plastic, you know, and, and, and doing it differently. Plus, another thing, um, you can always get another hundred of these cards. Yeah. Much easier than getting another hundred CDs. Which will cost you like $400. Exactly. Versus so you, like 60 bucks. Yeah. You yeah. can always get another hundred and another hundred as, as long as you can, uh, you know, move that CD. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great, great way of being, of being, you know, still having the CDs you need, but still being green. And doing something kind of cool and different. Yeah. yeah. When I, I bought the drop cards, just I wanted to support it when I saw your show. And then I went, like, wait, these are stickers. So you're actually getting a sticker, too, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. You're getting yeah. a nice souvenir. Good deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so some of the political themes on this record, besides the, besides the plastic and the um, Save the Planet. Yeah. Um, I love Bucket of Gold, by the way. The, the, okay. And yeah. I heard that when you first started playing it. About the, the guy who's painting the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. And he goes back and forth. And... It, it's a bit nonsensical. Mm -hmm. um, so if someone wants all their T's crossed and uh, um, I's dotted, it, it, it's a stretch. But, it, you know, it starts with a rap about... Um, about spiritual things being manifested in the real world by some, you know, maybe some bohemian poet from the 50s or something. And then it, it, the the tone changes, the rhythm changes slightly. It changes into a more country-western kind of feel. And mm -hmm. this kind of other voice is that incarnation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it uh, keeps things from being too literal yeah. on the CD. Um, and then, uh, and when came to California, if you don't build it, right? Sam's cornfield. If you don't build it, they won't come. Right, right. Kind of a play on the original um, a Feel of Dreams movie. Mm -hmm. um, bringing out that's an interesting one because you know I wondered about that because so many people love baseball that could people take that humorously. It's kind of, I call it an anti-Chuck Brodsky, or, uh, <laughs> Chuck Brodsky antidote. You know? Right. Has Chuck heard this song? He'd probably get a kick he out of it. He hasn't. He'd probably get a kick out yeah. of it, you know. He would. It's um, fun. 
Yeah. But basically, it's about a guy who's going to develop this this big stadium, and he yeah. sees where he's going to build, and he ends up becoming a corn farmer. Right. <laughs> so it's a change. Then people show up and start farming. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a green thing, you know, um, mm. like pulling away from spectator sports and towards this idea of uh, self sustaining. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what paintings go along with some of these songs? Well, the, these are sections of a larger painting. Mm -hmm. um, and it, there's no direct correlation. It's kind of uh, just the, the vibrancy of that couple dancing on the front. Mm -hmm. um, could relate to a little joint in San, San Francisco or something. It's yeah. actually downtown Santa Cruz. Yeah, Bay. it's the top of the mall. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I had the whole painting uh -huh. on there, and then it just seemed more intimate to just uh, do a close-up of it. It works. It works really nice. So. With you kind of overseeing them, too, here in the corner. It's nice. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't talked about, too, we talked about songs, but what are some of your, your, what are some of your visual art influences? Uh, well, influences, um, well, I started painting when I could walk. I've been mm -hmm. doing it forever. But I remember going into a museum. It might have been San Francisco. I actually can't remember where, but it was a retrospective of Edward Hopper. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, he was very prolific, so you had quite a stream of paintings to look at. But they had reserved one room for the classic, the Nighthawks, mm -hmm. which yeah. is a familiar painting. Oh, yeah. And I walked in, and here's four white walls in a painting. And wow. it was a, a, like a, what they say is palpable feeling. I just I felt like almost short of breath. Just huh. the, the weight of that vision coming down through the decades yeah. of, of this um, kind of a big sea alienation mm -hmm. late at night, characters around a coffee urn. And I felt so impacted and I, it, it helped me to sum up like, I think we began this conversation, why are we doing what we're doing? Right. I realized I want, I'd like to touch others as they have touched me, mm -hmm. as I have been touched, mm -hmm. put it that way. Yeah. And so how to pass that along. And you you never know where it's going to end up, especially with recordings. Right. Someone may hear this after you're dead, you know, mm -hmm. and it may change their life. So... Um, that's one reason we don't get the satisfaction always of knowing where the pieces fell. Mm -hmm. It's true. How, what we. Yeah. Uh, There's a great quote, um, Chuck McKee, the late great Chuck McCabe, who you yeah. know well too. Yeah. Um, when I was working on my second record, and, and he kind of just mentored everybody, and so he gave me a lot of advice. Um, I really miss him. But he said, when I was working on the second record of mine, he said, he goes, I guarantee you, every new record will will take you somewhere you didn't anticipate. Something, you'll meet somebody, or because of that record, something will happen, you'll meet somebody, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to get famous, but just you're going to encounter people or ideas that you never would have thought until you finished that record and got it out there. Yeah. Because you're never just going to hear it, you know. Yeah. Well, even with songs, I played at the, um, uh, the Center for Spiritual Living a couple of months ago, and I have a song about angels on the new record, and I... I played the song. Is that uh, Aptos? No, it's, no, it's the, Hill. Um, no, it's in Santa Cruz. Belt Street? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I played there. Nice, really nice folks. I played there a couple of times. Yep. And um, then I played a song about angels. And, and it was really nice. And it was really, really, really sweet people. And this woman walked up and she's like, thanks for playing that song. And I'm, I'm 
thank you for listening. And she, she said, she said, I really needed to hear that. I didn't realize it until you start crying. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, wow, really? Wow. Yeah. Thank you. This, you know, you never know what he's, most of my songs are pretty sarcastic. Uh-huh. So you, you do a sweet one. And it's like, it's nice. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a fun ride. We should hear something if you'd like to play something. Sure. Um, let's take a look at that first song, maybe. I was thinking. It's got a nice local tie into it. Yeah. And it's really funny. It's funny and it kind of makes a point, too. The opening track on the new record. So I took a couple of the workshops because I've, I've seen her here on YouTube. I've mm. never met her. You know. But Teresa Zaderi? Yeah. That winter songs. Yeah. One thing she said, but whatever, whatever that, whatever you fear most, mm-hmm. it's going to happen on stage. It's going to just a matter of time if it hasn't already happened. And I was thinking of that. That, that Steve Key. And damn it, if the second song, I didn't go blank. Lyrics. Really? Just, couldn't get up. I started scatting, you know, doing How funny. It was, and I actually managed the first two verses. I just botched totally, but I managed to get it together by mm-hmm. um, by the bridge, and 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 then as I was singing, I was thinking back about did I say enough? Yeah, I think there's enough of what happened between the blanks that people know it's going. Pulled it out. I got back up on my feet again, literally, wow. you know, and uh, made it happen. Is it harder when you lose your place in the spoken word section or does it all kind of flow together anyway? You know, a really good piece of advice that my ex-wife came up with because she was a chanteuse Extraordinary, mm-hmm. beautiful voice. She did most of our vocals when we were together. And she said, Russ, if this song's worth singing, know the story and live the story as you're saying it. And if, God forbid, you space out, you're still in the story. Say the words. Say the words. You know, say it in another way. Yeah. So that's, I've caught myself doing that. Uh, caught as in, a, as in a safety net. Yeah. Of just some other way to say it, what yeah. happened. I've I've cut when I was first learning mainly covers my own songs too. I just think about the story, and, if I, and I think if I feel like I'm telling the story for the first time, it kind of makes the song work better. But there's been times where I've like I haven't been playing much because I've been working on the record and, and everything. But I played somewhere a couple weeks ago and I I forgot like the second verse, so I I just strummed a little bit, went to the bridge, you know, played the last verse. Where was this? Uh, Bad Pines in Monterey, a restaurant. I just forgot the second, it was my cell phone song, I just forgot the second verse, I hadn't played it in, you know, months, and strummed a little bit, sang the bridge, sang the chorus again, did the last verse, nobody got hurt, everybody was happy, no one knew any better, didn't matter, nobody bled, you know, it was fine, you know, just smile, go back to the chorus, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, what else? If it's a sing-along, it actually works better in your favor anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see what center of the universe. Yeah, it starts off with a little. And I guess bit losing colder. your place is a good reminder that you're not the center of the universe. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Talk about the song a little bit if you can. I just, uh, it's, it's a great song. The song is all about um, not taking yourself too seriously, 
and um, and it makes a great opening track for our records because it kind of sets the it sets the tone. I think. Oh, good. I, I'm glad you approve of that as the opener because I didn't know what to start the CD. We always wonder what order to go with, but mm -hmm. it just seemed like a natural because it takes the edge off things immediately. Yeah. The guy singing is not Joe Cool. He's just you know he's as apt to <laughs> goof off as anybody else. Um, so I'll just do the song. It starts off with a little local color. Everybody's been out on Westcliff Drive, so. Westcliff Drive, an angry man swore at the deep blue sea. His fist was doubled against the sky for all the world to see. From well behind the safety rail, he gave the gods a curse. He's finding out he is not the center of the universe. I sang my songs at the local bar, my name on the sidewalk sign. Her face I saw in the audience and her eyes, they married mine. But now she does not, by morning's light, recall a single verse. But she helps me see I am not the center of the universe. Now some folks do their laundry everybody's nose just their way of saying hey I'm important I suppose but I'm becoming the silent type cause nothing bugs me worse than being reminded I'm not the center That's the most curious thing all of the wise ones sing. It's less about arriving there, it's more about the way. Galileo got it right by reasoning in reverse. He showed us all we are not the center of the universe. song did you have the Galileo idea as the punchline already in mind because it's, yeah. it's brilliant yeah yeah it's like yeah. where it ends up I'm like that is just so clever and profound and brilliant right. and witty and yeah just, I've yeah. learned to think in reverse yeah. and I usually know where the song is going to end up before I put the building blocks together yeah but trying to make it look as though it's the last it minute just happened, discovery it just happened yeah, to end right. up there yeah. yeah it just came along I know for me doing the, the joke writing thing is I always think in terms of the punchline so if I know yeah. if I know what the punchline is I can right. usually find my way there Right. It's when you start with like, this is a great idea, and you kind of just meander around, and it's like, <laughs> um, this, this is going to be a co-write because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> right. Right. But, yeah. Well, love the new record. It's on cdbaby.com. I'll link it in the podcast. And um, Great. Nice hanging out. Yeah. Thanks so much. You know, Russell and I have been talking about doing a podcast for more than a couple of years. It was nice to finally get together and talk shop for the record. 
Again, Russell Bruchet, singer, songwriter, painter. The new record is called Bucket of Gold. You can find that at cdbaby.com, either as a physical CD or a download. You can also go to my site, michaelgaither.com, and I have links to his paintings, um, his local website, and, and his past work as well. Great songwriter, and it was this one was a little in the weeds, and I wanted it to be, but um, Russell is a literally environmentally conscious songwriter. I mean, the fact that he only printed up just as many as he possibly needed. And um, again, you can order more. I thought that was a really interesting aspect of that. And, and that little conversation at the end about forgetting lines on stage, I was going to edit that out, but I thought it's kind of something people don't talk about a lot. So I hope that was interesting to you. Um, it was nice to kind of like... It's nice to do this thing and talk to other songwriters and find out that we're, we all have common ground with these experiences, and um, hopefully you enjoy listening to it as well. Russell Bruchet, Bucket of Gold. And again, the uh, the Winter Song and Summer Song Songwriting Camps. You can go to summersongs.com and find out about both of them, the, the New York and the California camps. Um, the next one locally here on the West Coast is June 1st through 5th in Cambria, California. And... Um, I know Susan Reeves is going to be there, Ed Tree, Severn Brown. I think Michael McNevin is teaching this year as well. So just a, a bunch of powerhouse songwriters, and like the nicest bunch of people you'd ever want to hang out with. So check out Russell Brochet, the link's on my site. Check out Summer Songs. Um, and back in my realm, I'm finishing up a new record, Best of Breed Romance. It's going to be out in April. And um, check out the website. I'll be putting up probably a couple of blogs that talk about it. There's some new videos in the works. Uh, the, the release concerts are on my shows page. You can find out about those, and it's a fun record. I had a, it's my usual mix of nostalgia, sarcasm, and gratitude. And there's a lot of banjo, guitar, ukulele. I put everything on this one, and it's a pretty sparse record, but a lot of fun. So that's it for songs and stories. Next, coming up next, I've been trying to talk with one of our local favorites, Ron Wilson, for a long time. We just haven't synced up. He's a, a ranger, songwriter, musician just does really interesting um, approaches on different kinds of music and he has an al- uh, album he has a book out called All in Good Time about how to play the ukulele and it's really sort of a self-help philosophy book on approaching music if you haven't played before it's a great um, short book to get people started we've been trying to get together so I think that's going to be the next episode coming up next month if not before so that'll be Ron Wilson up here on Songs and Stories again thanks for your time please support these artists buy their material their content their books their records it's great stuff and a final thanks whether you heard this on my site on iTunes on Grateful Dread Radio on Casey Cafe Radio or somewhere on the interwebs Facebook, Twitter thanks for listening downloading appreciate your time we'll talk next time for Songs and Stories I'm Michael Gaither take care